Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our reading for today is actually from the Gospel according to John, if you would like to follow along. Chapter 20, verses 19 to 31 uh, in your pew Bibles. Let us listen now to God's holy word and what it says to us this day. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called a twin, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So when the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in the mark of his nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Just curious, you can uh, do a show of hands if you would like to. How many of you have uh, taken an Uber uh, or a Lyft before? Has anyone done that? Okay. Uh, How about anyone stay at uh, an Airbnb before. Has anyone stayed at an Airbnb? Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, not as many people. There, there are some out there. Well, in 2016, Joe Gebbia, the founder, co-founder of uh, Airbnb, tells sort of the story of how this whole creation came into being. He tells a story about how he was just selling some stuff that he had in his apartment out on the side, and this person came up and decided to buy a painting, and they got started talking. Well, they ended up having a meal, and after learning uh, what they were doing in life, you know, heading into the Peace Corps, Joe asked this stranger who he had never met, where are you staying today? 
And the stranger says, oh, I don't have anywhere uh, that I'm staying. To which he responds, oh, well, I have an air mattress. You could come stay in my living room. <laughs> I don't know about you. I am not that daring, though, of inviting a stranger into my house. And at this point, Joe had some second, uh, he was second guessing himself. He recalls staring up at his bedroom ceiling and even tiptoeing during the night to just lock his door in case the person he let in was a serial killer. But everything worked out. The experience led Joe to work with a few people to create a business that was designed for trust. Opening the door to your home takes trust. Opening even the door to your car to a stranger takes trust. And as we know, these things do take trust. Admittedly, there is an element of risk. For the disciples, though, we hear that it's not just about getting them to open the door and take that risk, but it's about opening the door and then also getting them out from where they've locked themselves in. I tell this story about Joe Gebbia, the co-founder of Airbnb, because it's interesting this morning as we look at this passage from John, where we find how Jesus implements his own designs for creating trust amid real and perceived risks. Jesus cultivates trust to call the disciples and call us to a bold new way of living. Trust is risky business, but we live in an economy built on trust. Each time you go into your car and pull out of the driveway and you head to the grocery store or you head to go see some friends, you're pulling out, trusting for the most part, being aware though of your surroundings, that other people on the road are going to follow the rules. Maybe not, maybe that's not your experience. But there is a certain level of trust. Each time you go to the store, the manager, for the most part, will trust that you're not going to blatantly steal from them. There are countless of transactions in our life where trust is required. And for each transaction where we trust, we also accept, as I said, a certain degree of real risk. It's how we decide to respond to that weighing of risk, though, that is important for us. We find this morning, unfortunately, this risky business keeps the disciples tucked away behind closed doors. They're not willing to take the risk. Or we could say that their trust was not so great that they were willing to take the risk for Jesus. They're uncertain about who they can trust, let alone leave the safety of their secure room to go out fulfilling the commission Jesus gave to them. As we consider this morning who we trust in this risky business of opening doors, how are we cultivating that space here in our community of faith? 
How are we cultivating trust in our hearts, in the spheres of influence that we are a part of, and helping to design and facilitate trust to take hold? I bring up this question about trust and risk because the past couple of years have showed in many ways there are a lot of places they're not willing to take risks, not willing to trust or lean hard into a bold new vision. Just talking to some folks this morning about some of the ongoing area churches here, where we know that there are places that are certainly closing, places that are just not sure of what they could do or not willing to put out the energy or the resources to trust that the Spirit is leading them to try something new. They don't want to leave the security of what is familiar to them, which is hard. I would argue, though, that we are not part of that group, just, just so you know. <laughs> In our current climate, where trust appears to be at a premium, how do we mitigate the fears of our hearts that keep us from welcoming new people and keep us from going out and living the heart of God in our lives. Because risk and trust, they go hand in hand. You can't separate risk and trust. They are inseparable because how much we are willing to risk is dependent on how much we trust something. And, and this is where I think it's important to say this, that when I'm talking about trust, I'm not talking about the intellectual exercise of trust. Right? I, I don't mean to pick on you, Tom, but for example, I could say, I trust Tom's not going to rob my house if I let him inside. And it's easy for... <laughs> but it's easy for me to say that. It's easy for me to say, I trust that something is not going to happen or will happen. It's completely different for me to say, though, I do trust Tom, and I do hand him the keys to my house because let's say I'm going out of town, and that is me putting trust into action, actionable trust. It doesn't cost me anything when I say I have to it doesn't cost me anything when I say I trust, but when I put that trust into action, I am willing to take that risk. When we talk about designing for trust within our hearts, within our spirits, that's a question for us to consider. Just one other example, I guess, about how we put our trust into action based off of an own my own travel experience is that I, I do also use that popular app for finding a place to stay, but I don't usually like to pick places that are like in someone's basement or like it's part of someone's house. Uh, I usually like to find if they have a separate, you know, it's just dedicated to that. But I was driving home somewhere, I don't even remember, and it was getting late and I needed a place to stay. So I looked up on the app, found the place that took a last minute booking. I do look at how highly the owner is rated though and sort of just get as much information as I can. 
And to my surprise, even though I was staying in a place that was less than ideal, from my perspective, I took that leap of faith. I trusted that the owner was going to be, you know, good, pleasant. And to my surprise, it, it worked out great. I mean, um, besides staying there, they even invited me to hang out with some of their friends as they were watching a game that was going on. This is what I'm trying to get at. As we think about risk and trust and building relationships, as we think about living as an Easter people, as resurrection people, we need to learn to take risks and trusting actions. Because it's in this balancing act or the holding of these two things together where we find the critical moment for the disciples where Jesus entered into the locked room. Jesus didn't break down any doors, but in this tense post-crucifixion moment, Jesus cultivated ground that was ripe for sowing seeds of trust between the disciples and Jesus. How can we allow for trusting actions to grow between ourselves and God in our hearts? How can we allow for trusting actions to grow between each other, between this community of faith and its neighbors? If we want to avoid risks or taking risks because we want to feel secure, we'll never get to that point Jesus wants us to get to of living boldly with one another. We cannot live as Easter people if we aren't willing to put something on the line in our response to the call of our risen Lord. What's so important about this is that Jesus is seeking cooperation between the disciples and himself to carry on the ministry set forth by the Holy Spirit. Of course, those who see Jesus for the first time believe Jesus, they trust him, and they're willing to open the door and go out. We're told, though, that there was one who wasn't there and didn't believe, Thomas. But here's what I think is so critical for us this day the fundamental lesson we learn from Jesus. The lesson that trust is not a one-time occurrence. It's something that is a constant evolution, something that takes continual investment, something that is a journey. Jesus doesn't admonish Thomas. He doesn't wag his finger at Thomas. But Jesus understands that trust continue, requires continual nurturing. So he shows Thomas his scars. He shows Thomas his hands and his side in order to build ongoing cooperation and trust. Friends, considering the role of the Easter story and the role it plays in our lives and in our faith, let us consider Jesus' ongoing effort to build trust and understanding between God and us. 
and understanding that all of this is to bring about a new community and new things that call us outside of our locked doors. Let us dream this Easter season of what can be, of the possibilities, the endless possibilities that are out there for us. And let us dream and act in a manner that allows our hearts and sacred spaces to be designed for trust. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.